You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone Philadelphia, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We are so glad that you are here with us today, and we are equally happy to be an affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got an exclusive interview coming up that you do not want to miss. We're going to talk in depth about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the American Hockey League. Uh, lots and lots to talk about, but we're just glad that you're here. I'm your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, uh, Amy Johnson, and I'm joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host. He is the editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, and that is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? I'm well. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you. Glad to be talking about all kinds of hockey topics and glad that we have a very special guest today. We do have a special guest today. Uh, we're going to run down some news about uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms here in just a moment, and then we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into uh, an exclusive in-depth interview with our dear friend, Patrick Williams. Uh, he's the AHL correspondent at the NHL.com and also for EP Ringside. And uh, we're going to pick his brain today about uh, the successes that the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are experiencing this year uh, from his perspective and also take a a really deep look at uh, how, you know, this is such a a hybrid and and different year for the American Hockey League. And uh, he is so tapped into sources and the pulse of things happening all across the league uh, that we're going to we're going to really kind of dig in a little bit and and find out some news about the league in general. there's that there's that p word of playoffs, you know. We want to, uh, we you know, we, there's things inquiring minds want to know, uh, and so we're gonna have Patrick here to talk about all of that. But well, he's a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we're always happy to see mm-hmm. him in the rinks <laughs> in those old days when we used to actually meet in rinks and and That's cover right. games. Uh, but it's uh, just equally nice to have him on the podcast. And someday we will be back in rinks covering sure. things. Uh, we just, I guess we should, we we should, we could also clarify that although media uh, for the rinks that we typically would be in are permitted to be on premises, um, Rocket Sports Media is just doing our part to be um, good community members and protecting all of our team members by opting to not do any in-person live 
coverage in rinks this year just because of the pandemic situation and and people still not being vaccinated yet and things of that nature. So, and for for the Rocket Sports reporters, it's not just um, you know going from home to the rink and back. Uh, put a lot of miles on going to uh, lots of rinks around the AHL, and that just isn't appropriate uh, to be doing that at at this time of year. No, uh, so never fear. It will return at some point when it when uh, when we deem that it is safe for all of our team to be out doing so. But uh, I think you have come to know and trust by now that we're still giving you excellent coverage, uh, even though, like most of the media around the hockey community, most of us are doing it remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, before we get to the hockey, though, Rick, there's lots of other sports happening, and oh, this weekend's that? UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Uh, every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. Now, DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, and they're giving you a huge uh, a shot at huge pro- cash prizes. And for this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Did you say millions? I did. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stand to the salary cap, and pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars of prize in prize in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Oh, THPN. That stands for the, the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, Podcast Network, Network. <laughs> giving you great options and great uh, ways to maybe get some, get your hands on some extra dough. With There's draft. a new podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network uh, mm-hmm. launching this week. There is. Uh, in fact, uh, we recently, uh, on our sister pod, uh, uh, sister podcast that you host with Joe Whalen, uh, The Canadian's Connection, uh, you and I actually sat down uh, and did an interview with two of the three hosts of that podcast. Uh, it's called We're All a Little Crazy, hosted by NHL legend Theo Fleury, uh, as well as Eric Cusin and Darren Ravel. And we sat down with, with Eric and Theo and uh, talked a little bit about the good old days in Theo's NHL playing days and uh, took a deep dive with him on uh, the really um, not always comfortable subject of mental health uh, and their podcast uh, as you say debuts this w- debuted this week and the first episode is out um, and I think it's going to be a really good one and it's and it's flyers friendly because we, we talk about mental health and coping and trauma and all kinds of things, but not uh, very much Montreal Canadiens things. No, so. no. So we yeah. certainly encourage you to go to go check that out. Uh, we also encourage you to be sure you're following us on social media. Uh, at the AHL report and also at the Flyers report. We want to be sure that you don't miss a minute of our coverage or the action. Uh, and so uh, let's get right to it. We've got a couple of things to mention as far as the Lehigh Valley fans. The fly- We're not even going to talk about the Flyers because, honestly, mm. the Flyers are 
writing their own story for you every day. I mean, it's um, it, there's just so many things going wrong with the Flyers right now. Um, if if Rick, you even said this the other night, if they can't even figure out a way. Now, granted, um, you know they lost one to nothing in overtime. If that's as if you can put the word good in quotation marks, that's as good of a loss as as they can as they they have sustained lately but they to n- needed to win that game exactly to to not pull out the win on hockey fights cancer night on oscar lindblom's uh, special night where where he was just given such a, a rousing standing ovation for his battle with cancer and his his fight um and after the lineup introduction um, yeah. By the young boy, it, it was it was it was a game emotionally. I mean, it, it probably didn't mean much in the in the scheme of things, but emotionally, it was a game uh, they needed to win. They did. Uh, so you know, Carter Hart still not practicing, so that means uh, Moose and Alex Lyon will continue to be the tandem. Uh, got a feel for Alex Lyon. You know, he hasn't played much this year. Got into a game the other night, and the team in front of him. Uh, you know. Of course, there's going to be a little rust for him. As I say, he's not played much, uh, and the team in front of him wasn't exactly uh, helping much either. Uh, had to be a little frustrating for him as well. So um, so we're going to leave the Flyers to the Flyers for right now and uh, give you some encouraging news. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms are going to be back in game action this week. They've been on a, a pause for almost two weeks now as they deal with their own COVID-19 Uh, protocol shutdowns. Uh, It seems uh, there are reports out there that were that there was more than one uh, positive case uh, within the organization, but it does look like uh, they are going to return to game action uh, on Wednesday night this week. Uh, they even put out some photos uh, yesterday, I believe, um, that they held a vaccination clinic at the PPL center for the players and staff Um in fact, I think Melvin even got his <laughs> shot. I think he did. Was it a, a big needle? Was it, you know? Oh, they, I don't think it was, but that would have, yeah, they needed the the, the mascot-sized yeah. syringe, right? Um, so that's a good indication. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's been a... It's been a bit of a of a hard time, and we saw Rick that even in that in the second half of that that paused period, um, that the Flyers called Cam York up to the taxi squad. Uh, I imagine to get him skating because um, he hasn't debuted yet. His NCAA career finished a couple of weeks ago, and then he had to go through a week of quarantine, and then the shutdown happened. So he hasn't been skating. So he got to skate for for a bit. Um, probably with the with the with the Philadelphia Flyers but he has been sent back um and so i guess that's the other exciting part of this is that uh Cam York will probably make his professional debut with the Phantoms this week and that is exciting and and even to get up with the uh, the Flyers um even though he didn't get into game action, just his exposure to the team, to the coaches, to the other players, the environment, mm-hmm. um, all of that is is positive. And uh, but for fans, they they want to see him on the ice, and and that should happen soon. Well, and I'll even make a point uh, that we've made 
uh, on our other podcast uh, when we're talking about uh, the Laval Rocket and their head coach, Joel Bouchard, uh, uh, a point that he had made in reference to Cole Caulfield, who is in a similar situation, just had his pro debut in the last couple of weeks uh, after the Frozen Four tournament uh, was done. And that is that um, for Cam York to get called up, and even if he only had a practice or two with the Flyers, Uh, Keep in mind, NCAA players are prohibited from attending NHL training camps. So they can go to development camp where they're there with other prospects, but they can attend a training camp, which means they're not uh, exposed to um, the guys on the NHL team. And so, as you say, that's a good experience for him to eat, even if it's only for a practice or two, he at least gets to see and experience how an NHL practices run, get to know some of the guys on the team, get exposed to the coaches a little bit more. Um, And so it's nothing wrong with him getting called up and and getting that experience. Um, So uh, be sure you're following us at the Flyers Report on Twitter this week. We'll have all the action for you if Cam York makes his debut. Um, one other bit of news, um, which I think, frankly, I think there will be, uh, plenty of guys in the Phantoms locker room and plenty of Phantoms fans around, uh, who will be, uh, although this is sad news, there might be a little bit of release for Tyson Forster and his other OHL, uh, cohorts on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, Tyson Forster has not been shy about saying, um, if it were, if he had his druthers, he would prefer to stay in the AHL this year. Uh, and unfortunately for the OHL, that's going to happen uh, because sadly the OHL, after a long drawn out process where they thought they were so close to, to announcing a return to play uh, plan, uh, they have announced officially today that their season has been canceled. Um, there will not be an OHL season this year. Well, it's always a good day here at the Press Zone when Rick and I can welcome back uh, one of our dear friends and colleagues, someone we respect in in this industry very, very much. Uh, And we're so proud to welcome him again today. That's Patrick Williams. He's the AHL correspondent for NHL.com and the lead AHL columnist at EP Rinkside. Patrick, thanks so much for being here with us today. Uh, How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing we're doing great, um, and we're thrilled to have you back. We are. Well, thank you. We got thrilled a lot to be back. It's <laughs> it's a lot's happened since I think it was I think it was January the last time that we had you on, mm-hmm. and my goodness, a lot has happened uh, between then and now. So, well, we're going to get started with just a little bit of talk of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, um, currently still leading the North Division, uh, although they are uh, you know have have recently in the last week not been playing as much as they are dealing with another uh, another COVID-19 pause. Um, Patrick, let's let's first start with, you know, this this team this year um, looks and is performing a lot different than the Phantoms of the last couple of years. Um, you know, they came they came out of the gate really hot uh, and mm-hmm. and haven't had many nights where they've struggled. Um, what do you feel is the big difference for this Phantoms team this year? I think they they've really bought into the um, trying to go with the prospects and giving the prospects a bigger role. Uh, the last couple of years they had gone pretty heavy on the on the veterans, and you need veterans in this league absolutely. And um, but you need the right mix and you need the right roles. And uh, I don't think they necessarily had that in the past. 
Uh, I think this year you're, what you're seeing is um, some of the youngest players are the ones that are really uh, driving the bus in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, obviously Tyson Forrester, first rounder, 18 years old, another 18 year old kid who can come in and make this league um, look a lot easier than it really is. Zade Wisdom, obviously. I mean, what a story! Fourth mm-hmm. round pick coming in, and uh, especially the start he had. He's obviously cooled off a little bit, but uh, remarkable start for him. I think the thing that has also helped them has, um, and I think in past years, especially with the the problems Philadelphia is having right now, mm. um, there would be a lot more um, roster upheaval. Um, and, and there is to some extent, ever, but no more so than what any other team this year is dealing with. So I think having a little bit more consistency in the lineup has helped. Um, hasn't been a, as kind of uh, all over the place as, as it was in the past. Um, and it, it's just a good mix. Uh, I like them in net. Uh, Zane McIntyre, real good, solid pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy I think around this league's a little bit underrated at times. Um but uh, he's shown that uh, his success in the past uh, wasn't just the result of uh, you know being with the Providence Bruins, who are a really strong defensive club, really lock it down every night. Uh, he's shown now that uh, he's going into a, a different situation, uh, like the Phantoms, and he's he's more than holding his own and really uh, really doing a, an a exceptional job, I think, uh, with that team. And uh, so the, right now they're just the right mix of uh, good veterans. Uh, with with uh, some real real intriguing prospects, uh, Forrester, Wisdom, um, you know, started that. I, I like Wyatt Wiley a lot. Uh, I, he's impressed me. Uh, I know Isaac Ratcliffe has had something of a slow start, but uh, he's also coming back from injury. He's impressive. Uh, uh, so you know, it's it's a little bit of everything. They're they're again, they're not a team that's necessarily. Uh, stacked in terms of uh, top, top prospects or um, super high-end veterans, but there's a lot of good quality, solid players, and, and together that mix really seems to work well. One Flyers prospect we haven't yet seen, uh, that would be one Cam York, 2019 mm-hmm. first-round pick. And what a, what a season for Cam York, uh, 20 points in 24 games with the University of Michigan, uh, of course, he he was part of that gold medal uh, uh, award-winning team. Um, he was uh, Big Ten defenseman of of defensive player of the year, uh, NCAA West first American uh, All Star team. Um, it's been a great um, uh, season. Uh, he signed his ELC and was hoping to make his uh, pro debut. That's been on hold. Um, but when he does make that pro debut, what can Phantoms fans expect? I would, I would advise patience. Uh, and for one simple reason, he's a defenseman in the American Hockey League in a chaotic season. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Jake Bean uh, with the Charlotte Checkers um, a couple years back. Uh, his first, let's say, two to four weeks of his pro career was uh, – there was some uh, real flashes of, of that skill. He was a 13th overall pick. York is 14th overall. Um, but there were times when Jake Bean definitely looked like a rookie defenseman early on, and then – at some point, a month or so into the season, it, it all started to fall together for him. Uh, he 
he ironed out some of the wrinkles in his game, um, really, really drilled down onto those details, and he had a fantastic rest of the season uh, and then into the two-month playoff run uh, on the way to the Calder Cup that season. So um, I would advise Phantoms fans, Flyers fans, uh, whoever the case may be, um, to just take it slowly. Uh, there's going to be mistakes. There are going to be nights where um, he's going to look his age. He's going to look uh, like a rookie defenseman who's learning the pro game. Um, and uh, you can't you can't get too high or too low in this league. Uh, uh, this league is a league where players are allowed to make mistakes. And uh, I'm sure there will be some mistakes. And um, even if he puts up some solid numbers, which I have every reason to think he can, uh, there's still going to be probably some nights where the defensive game you know, needs some help. And it's just an adjustment. Um, and I've spoken to... I can't tell you how many coaches this year around the league, this is a very common topic, especially with some of the college players, uh, that what you can do in college and, and, and the things you can get away with uh, generally is one of, if not the best player on your team. Um, those those moves or those t- tactics don't work anymore in the pro game. Um, your average pro player, they've seen it all uh, um they know how to shut that down. So it's, it's all about adaptability for a player like Cam York. Uh, but I think with a little bit of time and uh, uh, a chance now to play the last, uh, at some point, whenever the Phantoms do get back on the ice, the last month or so of the season, I, I think it will be very advantageous to him and um, set himself up well for training camp next year uh, with Philadelphia. Behind the bench for for the the Phantoms, Scott Gordon has done uh, a, a very commendable job, um, particularly even after, uh, you know, his his brief stint as interim head coach uh, for the Flyers, and and when he didn't get the permanent title, uh, graciously came back to to Lehigh Valley and 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 just has done a, a, a tremendous job there. And I know you and I were both on the call uh, the night of his 400th win. Um, mm-hmm. And you, to your credit, you had some great questions for him and really got him to open up about some stories about his his journey to not only becoming a coach, but, but being around in the league this long to earn uh, those 400th 400 games. Um, can you just talk a bit about uh, your your thoughts on Scott Gordon and and the importance of the AHL having um, coaches of that quality with that length of a resume? Um, they're developing players for the for the next step up to the ne- up to the NHL. Yeah, that's one of the biggest changes I've noticed in the last maybe 10, 15 years. And this league has. It's been such a priority uh, for NHL teams to not simply, um, well, let's put this retired uh, ex-player in as, as head coach because, hey, he needs a job and the American League is as good a place as any. Um, there's a lot more thought, a lot more diligence and care put into that decision. Uh, and we've seen that with how they build out their uh, coaching staffs at, at the American League level now. I mean, used to be if you had one assistant coach, you were doing pretty well for yourself. Now you generally have <laughs> at least two. You have a video coach, you have a goalie coach. Uh, you probably have a couple of development coaches hanging around at different points. So there's just a lot more uh, emphasis and a lot more, obviously, resources, including financial resources, that are put into that uh, 
uh, operation at the American League level. And so you have someone like Scott Gordon, who's um, he's been through it all. I mean, he goes back to the mid eighties in this league where, you know, when you talk to some of the people that were actually around in the league at that time, I mean, it was, it was night and day to what it is today. I mean, it really was kind of no holds barred and uh, almost no rules. And uh, you were, players were more or less kind of just uh, thrown to the wolves and, and whoever survived would, make it to the NHL and, and the rest were just kind of forgotten. There wasn't a whole lot of um, uh, really attention to detail or anything like that with, with player development. And, and especially for him as a goalie, uh, he was coming off of there with those uh, late 1980s Quebec Nordiques teams um, and their affiliates. And, uh, you know, you look back at his history, he actually played an independent season in 87, 88 with Baltimore, a team that, won 13 out of 80 games. Uh, he was a goalie for, I think, 34 <laughs> of those games. Uh, so just uh, players were basically put it in an open position. So he's seen it. He's seen, he's seen the bad times and he's seen the good times. Um, and for a coach like him, um, he's come up through that Providence system, which has produced so many excellent head coaches over the years. Uh, Peter Laviolette came up through there. Uh, Mike Sullivan came up through there. Bruce Cassidy, so on and so forth, and he's part of that line. And um, you know, he's, I think he's done a fantastic job since he, he, he came to Lehigh Valley. And no doubt, I'm sure it had to sting incredibly for him to get passed over uh, for that permanent job in Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think to his great credit, he came back to Lehigh, uh, really put his nose to the grindstone and, and, and got down to work uh, developing players for Philadelphia. And um, so uh, when I asked those questions, it was a little bit of a roll of the dice. You never quite know post game, <laughs> uh, especially with Scott. Scott can definitely, um, I don't know say, and I'm not saying this as a critique, but he can be moody at times post game. And um I rolled the dice kind of, uh, you know, and, and, and it worked out and he was willing to open up and share some of those stories and share how it shaped him as a coach. And, uh, you know, that story he told about his first preseason game in 1986, uh, four and a half hour bus ride <laughs> um, to Halifax and, and how he looked at his coach and wondered why in the world would anybody ever coach in this league? I just thought that was that was a wonderful quote, <laughs> a wonderful story, because um, it does go to show how when you're 21, 22 years old and you, you think you haven't figured it out. And, um, now you look at him, you know, all these years later, really, what, 35 years later almost, and where he is now. And uh, he's in, uh, what, top six all time, the lead in coaching wins, which, I mean, this is a tough league uh, to have that kind of uh, longevity, to have that kind of success. And uh, he's been able to see kind of as like from a first person point of view, the evolution of this league from a 1980s model of uh, anything goes and we kind of just throw uh, the players, you know, into the mix and hope for the best to what they are now. And you look at what Lehigh Valley's operations like uh, a beautiful facility, um, uh, first class resources uh, and, uh, everything that the Philadelphia Flyers have put into that operation along with Lehigh Valley. Uh, so he's really been able to see that shift and that evolution in what the league was and what it is today. 
Well, that was just scratching the surface with Patrick Williams. Uh, it was a great uh, rundown of, of things for, from the team. Uh, but now we know you've got questions about the American Hockey League. Like, are the playoffs going to happen? What about all those teams who opted out? What's happening with them? And, and what, what does, even, what does the, the forecast for the AHL even look like for next season? Well, those are just a few of the things that we're going to get into with Patrick in the second half of this interview. So we're going to take one quick break. Everybody's going to catch their breath and take a sip of water. And uh, we're going to have all of that for you when we come back. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We're so glad you're back with us. Uh, that was a fantastic first segment. We've got more coming for you in just a moment. Uh, and of course, let's remind you, I am your host, Amy Johnson. I'm joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. You can find me at Flyers Rule on Twitter. You can find Rick at at All Habs, and uh, you can find this podcast at The Press Zone. So be sure you're following us at all of those appropriate social media places. We're talking with Patrick Williams, the AHL correspondent for NHL.com and the lead AHL columnist at EP Ringside. Uh, and now, Patrick, I, we want to get into kind of the state of the league in general. And I'm actually going to first hand hand this over to uh, to Rick uh, because Rick I know you wanted to talk a bit about uh, the recent deadlines that have just passed yeah, just to set the context in and uh, I know it's hard to to um, you know pair the, the the 
the date, the, the, the calendar with uh, where we are in the season. But just to, to look at the critical dates calendar and fans know from an NHL perspective that a week ago, we passed the trade deadline. Um, maybe they don't know. And, and maybe you can just enlighten some fans about things like the, the, the roster deadline um, used to be called the the clear day roster, um, the AHL trade deadline, um, those kind of, that just passed those those kinds of things that that kind of set the context for where the the AHL is right now. Well, yes, there. Even when you you think you're through the uh, deadline, there's always another deadline in this league. <laughs> um, the trade deadline in this league is not uh, the end of the line uh, in terms of roster shakeups. Uh, we have the AHL roster deadline, which is this coming Monday, the uh, 19th, I believe it is, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And essentially what that means is that AHL team's last chance to either trade or or loan players uh, to another team. Uh, So it's sort of of the NHL trade deadline in in the AHL context, uh, but not really because there's also loans, which – I could really get into details, but I'll spare people <laughs> on some of the, the, the real particulars of that. But uh, that's essentially what that means. So uh, it, the idea behind it is um, to give AHL teams an additional week after the dust, dust settles from the NHL trade deadline to uh, shape their rosters a little bit, maybe fill in some of those gaps. And uh, a good example last year was, Really, the last couple of years was what the Charlotte Checkers did, uh, especially last season. Uh, they got completely decimated by the uh, by the moves the Carolina Hurricanes made. Uh, so last season, uh, they went out and they brought in Keith Kincaid on loan from Laval uh, mm-hmm. to fill in that gap. Uh, as it turned out, it was sort of all for naught because the season was paused and eventually shut down. Uh, but that was the idea behind that. So the teams aren't basically left stranded uh, because we all know uh, the NHL teams are going to do what they need to do. And um, sometimes that can have a very detrimental effect on the American hockey league roster. And you do need need to fill in those gaps or perhaps um, a player with another team has been bumped out because of of a move made at the NHL trade deadline. So it's a chance for, for everybody to uh, kind of reset and, um, get all their ducks in order uh, after that NHL trade deadline. So uh, that's, that's the gist of it. Uh, now this year, I think it's, it's all bets are off. Uh, I don't <laughs> personally expect much, if any activity uh, for one simple reason, the playoff um, pictures and such uh, disarray, I guess is probably the nicest way to put it. Um, and then just simply that uh, you're not, going to have a traditional Calder Cup this year. You only have a um, really uh, three weeks or so uh, for those moves, and then you have the quarantine issues. Uh, so if you're moving players around, they would have to deal with that. So there's not a whole lot of use right now for that deadline um, as compared to a normal season where you would have roughly six weeks or so. You wouldn't have quarantines, and you would have uh, the prospect of a, a full two-month uh, playoff uh, season. So um, as with everything else, uh, that's one of the um, sort of the uh, victims of this uh, situation in this season. 
but uh, in a normal year, that's how, uh, and that's what the the intent of of the AHL roster deadline is. Well, you said the magic P word. You said playoffs, <laughs> um, and so playoffs. <laughs> playoffs um, the fact is that the AHL has not yet publicly ruled out any postseason. Um, action, whatever that might look like. So I guess my next question for you is kind of twofold is what are you hearing uh, in general terms of whether or not there will be any sort of post-divisional play or will it just be divisional or anything at all? Um, And kind of going along with that, I mean, you look at the winning percentage um, and the rankings on, on the league standings page and this year in particular, the the disparity in number of games played, I mean, between even like San Diego and Utica are mm-hmm. enormous. Now, granted, they don't play, they don't even play on the same coast, much less the same division, but you're still seeing those kinds of, of differentials, even intra-divisionally. Um, just overall, what, what are your senses and what are you hearing, what are you hearing from your sources about the potential for any kind of play postseason? Well, that's a great point because I think the number of games comes down to um, really, I think, the, the, the personal preferences of each team. Um, and like you mentioned, San Diego and all those teams in the Pacific Division, uh, they've gone pretty much full bear this season. Um, there's teams out there that are going to play 44 regular season games. Um, and they're pretty much playing a traditional schedule at this point. Uh, they're doing the three and fours and the, uh, there's a couple teams this year doing a four and five, which is a little bit of a throwback. Um, they're not really uh, holding back this year. Uh, and then you have a lot of teams, especially in the East that are uh, taking a much more uh, measured conservative approach. Uh, they want to get some games in if they can, but uh, they're not necessarily wanting to play every night. I mean, you look at, let's say, Hartford and Bridgeport, they're going to play 24 games this season uh, against two opponents. Mm, (laughs) So um, you can get a sense. I've tried to tell people you can kind of get a rough sense of the desire to have a playoff based on uh, how many games teams have played so far. So, um, I've been told there's at least one division that I don't expect to play any playoff, no matter what. Um, the other issue right now is the Canadian division. Um, how does that work in terms of uh, getting teams back and forth? I mean, that is by far the most uh, far-flung division. Uh, you stretch all the way from Laval to Calgary, um, and teams there are flying charter. Uh, so... Uh, that's a massive expense to take on if you're going to play additional games. Um, another factor is is revenue. Uh, traditionally, uh, that's a time when teams can make some some really solid money, especially if they go on a little bit of a run. Um, uh, well, you don't really have that uh, to any great extent this season. Uh, and as a as a kind of a corollary to that, uh, players um, are asking, well, what's in it for us? Uh, if we're not getting any sort of playoff money, uh, do we want to stick around for another month, uh, pay additional housing costs, uh, everything that comes with that, or do we just want to call it a year and go home and get ready for next season? So um, there's a lot of consternation right now. Um, 
I expect, as with much of this season, you'll kind of see some fragmented um, uh, on-the-fly type uh, playoff formats for some teams, but for a lot of other teams, they'll just uh, call it a season and uh, consider themselves uh, fortunate that they got uh, to play at least some games and got through it uh, healthy and uh, not try to push their luck. So um, it's a little bit, though, right now of a, of a crapshoot. Um, I think now that we're starting to see a couple teams, uh, like you mentioned, Lehigh Valley earlier, uh, they're having some COVID-19, some sort of situation uh, that's cost them uh, a number of games. Uh, I think some teams now, it's been a long season for, for players, um, they may want to just uh, come May, what, 16th, just call it a year and um, uh, shut it down after that. And then one more point on the Canadian division is, well, you look at the Stockton Heat, they're done April 29th. So if you were to have some sort of playoff, are they going to sit around for two and a half weeks uh, and then resume play? Um, that's an issue. So... Uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I have heard that some teams would not mind um, playing a few playoff games. Uh, those teams also happen to have uh, some degree of capacity right now for fans. So it'd be a chance to uh, uh, bring in a little bit of extra revenue that way. Uh, but it's going to take, you know, if you're going to have a playoff, you kind of need everybody to be on board um, or else it's not really going to work. So um, you're kind of just getting a lot of different competing objectives and agendas right now that I think are leading to a lot of gridlock at the moment. It's pretty uh, generally accepted that the AHL is the uh, second best hockey league in the world. Uh, Although we've heard that, uh, at least I've heard the narrative this year, that um, the AHL may not be as high-end this year uh, because top talent has been moved to the the NHL taxi squads, not in, in all cases. Uh, but on the other side of that argument, um, there's been more than 25 uh, first-round draft picks from uh, 2019-2020 uh, who've played in the AHL this year. And I uh, wonder if you can just talk about that injection of, of talent and, 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 um, and maybe mention some names. And, and if you could, be complete with the list because we don't want you to just, just give a partial list. You know how people uh, feel about that. We will, get the, we will get the pitchforks out if you miss anybody. <laughs> yes, as I've learned, if I, if I don't list all 120 <laughs> people, um, I even get some coaches on my back. So um, there's, there's a long list of uh, impressive rookies. Obviously, you have your first-round picks like – your Quinton Byfields, uh, Jamie Drysdale, who I don't expect to return uh, really at any point. Trevor Zegers, I'd mentioned. Uh, Thomas Harley uh, down in Texas, uh, an impressive defenseman. Um, uh, Seth Jarvis, obviously before he was sent back to the Western League, uh, was really tearing it up. Alex Turcotte, another example. Uh, Hershey fans will know Connor McMichael, mm. uh, who's looked every bit in place there. Tyson Forrester and Lehigh. Um, geez, I mean, I'm just... Alex Newhook. Alex Newhook just kind of came in. Cole Caulfield, obviously. Matt Boldy. Uh, Billy Hainala. Uh, Perfetti. Yeah, Perf- Cole Perfetti. Um, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> so you're saying there's no Testing. shortage of talent in the yes. AHL right now? Uh, yes, uh, there is not a shortage of talent this year. I think the point, and I, I hear what people are saying this year, I, I do think the depth has su- suffered uh, in some cases quite a bit, uh, depending on the team you're talking about. But um, obviously the taxi squads are more or less lopping off uh, the top six players on your roster including one of your goalies. So um, it stands to reason that your your talent would um, suffer. But, I mean, I think – and this is a question I asked to a lot of players who have played, you know, for example, in the KHL, uh, which is generally considered one of the competitors for that second-best league title. And um, they said it's razor thin. That's the general consensus that if you played an AHL team against an NH or a KHL team in a seven-game series – probably go all seven games and I mean you've seen how well this year uh, how many longtime AHL names who went to the KHL um, mm-hmm. have done very well for themselves uh, have not only fit in but have been dominant Reed Boucher for example Chris Terry went over there handled it quite well so uh, I think yeah I think American Hockey League teams can match up with anybody anywhere outside of the National Hockey League obviously and uh, I don't think um, I don't think that message necessarily is is told enough or is put out there enough. Um, just what the level of, of skill and, and talent in the American Hockey League is, uh, but it's a formidable league in its own right. And uh, this year, you're seeing, like you said, 25 first round picks uh, from the past year or two uh, who are coming in. And and I'll point out, not of them, not all of them are are dominating either. I mean, for every Cole Caulfield that comes in, there's um, a fair number of first-round picks that definitely have their struggles, uh, especially early on, and and don't come in and dominate. I think people expect that uh, first-round pick is just going to skate circles around everybody, but that's not the case. I mean, not when you're going up against experienced veteran pros in this league. Uh, So uh, it's a little bit of of everything this year. I mean, I've struggled to really try to define the league and what it is this year because um, it really varies quite a bit from really one division to another and even one team to another in terms of how teams, how NHL teams are, are utilizing their affiliates this year. So part of that talent injection, and we've talked about this a, a bit earlier um, in, in this interview is the CHL talent mm-hmm. Uh, who, because of COVID-19 circumstances, and, and the OHL is still, uh, has a big question mark on it. Uh, they're, they're pushing back on, on that uh, even more right now. Um, you've seen a lot of really young talent who, I guess you could call them kind of underagers, um, finding their game and excelling uh, in the AHL. Do you, what's your, what's your, feeling or, or the temperature check around the league of do you think you know the next time this is up for negotiation um between the nhl and the chl do you think this opens the door for perhaps having a conversation about uh allowing junior players to come play for the a to come play in the ahl uh sooner than they have been well i'll, I'll borrow a uh, uh bouchardism and I'll say <laughs> every player has his, his own path to the NHL it, and perhaps that path does not go to the NHL, but um, meaning essentially that uh, players need different amount of time, different circumstances 
different degrees of patience uh, on that path. Um, that NHL-CHL agreement issue has been kind of on the back burner for a number of years. I think probably if you go back five, six years or so, really since this new generation of, of kids that are coming up through the CHL are so much more prepared than I remember uh, earlier, you know, maybe in around early 2000s. Um, they're, they're, they have trainers. They have uh, far better nutrition. I mean, junior nutrition used to basically be, you know, burger and fries on the bus. <laughs> I mean, it was – Works for <laughs> so, me. There was no nutrition. <laughs> It was it was eighteen year old kids just eating junk food, and now it's I mean these players are extremely disciplined with all that. Uh, so when they're coming in now at eighteen years old, uh, um, there's a lot more of a polished product uh, than there used to be, and, and I think NHL teams would love it, uh, you know, given their druthers, because the sooner you know they can get. Um, quote unquote, get their hands on a player and start to mold him and shape him in their, in their image. And, and it's that much uh, less time that he has to play in junior, develop bad habits, um, spend a year or two kind of skating circles around the competition. Uh, the more they like it, they like to test players, put them up against uh, the 30 year old AHL veteran, uh, who you know is a shutdown defenseman who's played a couple hundred NHL games and see how he does, rather than having them skate circles around you know seventeen year old opponents. So um, obviously, where the issue comes into play is CHL teams uh, do not want that to happen. Well, yeah, and uh, you know a lot of these first round picks are kind of their uh, they're obviously their their best players and they're also their uh, high-profile players that sell tickets in their respective cities. So uh, there's that factor. Now, I will say this. Um, I don't think, you know, the AHL, as usual, is always kind of finds itself in the middle of a fight. I don't think you'll get much sympathy from AHL owners for the plight of CHL owners for losing <laughs> their best players. Um, and how many times have we seen in a playoff uh, situation where, Oh, it's the the morning of a game, and uh, the the NHL team decided to call up uh, your starting goalie and your number one center, and uh, yeah, sorry about that. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and it's just the way it is, and everyone accepts that. And uh, so, uh, I don't see a lot of sympathy from <laughs> certain AHL owners uh, on that topic. Uh, so it's one of those things that's going to have to, I think, probably be hashed out. Uh, and there's been different ideas tossed around. One idea I've heard is, well, what if you had one exemption for one NA, for each NHL team, uh, where you could use a first uh, had to be a first round pick and let them play at 18 or 19 with the American Hockey League team? And I think that sounds like a fair compromise. Um, you probably you probably are wasting some players' time sending them back to junior. I mean, Seth Jarvis was leading the league in the American Hockey League in scoring, he was sent back to the Portland Winterhawks. And it's, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, what's he really going, going to get out of that experience now? And he's obviously he's gone back and he's been a dominant player, as you would expect in the Western Hockey League, but he's not getting the opportunity to play with pro caliber players, uh, you know, to, to work, to be challenged um, and to 
maybe fall on his face a little bit. I mean, sometimes that's the purpose of the American Hockey League to test players, and uh, sometimes they have to fail uh, in order to eventually get better. And it's like anything else. If you're never challenged or you're never tested, uh, it's going to be hard to really have a lot of improvement and growth, you know, with whatever you're trying to do, whether you're learning to play the piano or you're trying to become a National Hockey League player. So we never like to talk about ourselves, that is uh, the media. But in this case, uh, I just want to ask your opinion of, of the media a- access, uh, which, you know, life has changed during the pandemic. Life has changed for the media. And, and media access, by proxy, is, is fan access to the teams. Um, and it's been, it's been, with all the Zoom calls and the, the media availabilities, it's been quite different. Uh, and we've heard some media say, well, um, you know, they've, they've complained and said, well, th- it better go back to the way it used to uh, be. But have there been benefits um, in the way things are, are structured now for media and, and the kind of access that, that media have to, to coaches and players? And uh, is it your hope that uh, some of those things will continue uh, beyond the pandemic? Well, I think like out of every bad situation, um, you can develop uh, better practices, you know, necessity, the mother of invention, you know, for lack, you know, a mm-hmm. better way to put it. Um, and that's what, exactly what we've seen with those with those access calls on Zoom. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's a replacement for being at the rink for, for kind of getting that up close access um, getting that uh, relationship building uh, right. that you need in order to, um, I think, do the job as effectively as possible. That being said, um, I think there's a lot of value, especially uh, when you look at teams that uh, do, do it for road games. Um, yeah. To be able to get your players, get your coaches, uh out there more, get them more exposed to the fans. I think also get them more training with the media uh, for eventual NHL work um, is a great thing. So I I would personally like to see a hybrid uh, going forward where ideally you have um, your traditional in-person access, post-game, pre-game, whatever the case may be. Uh, But you you mix that in with at least perhaps a, a weekly Zoom session. And I think especially um, down in the States, that's a big thing where um, local television, newspapers, they're, they're pulled so thin now um, and they don't have the time to come out necessarily very often. Uh, but if you can make it more accessible to them where they can just drop by on Zoom, ask their questions, get what they need, uh, you're getting that much more uh, exposure for your team out there, that much more exposure for your players. And I think you uh, will see that benefit. So I I hope that Zoom is here to stay, but I also hope that we can go back to being at the range, being in a more obviously normal setting, um, and you know not all just staring at each other, you know, through a computer. <laughs> yeah, it's it that's my take. <laughs> I but no, I and I think your 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 use of the word hybrid is perfect. I th- I think that is. That would be the ideal situation is if there's if there can be a happy medium that that combines the two of those things somehow. Um, I think it just benefits 
I think it benefits everyone involved. Um, Absolutely. And I'll just add, just in my case, I mean, on a given night, I can talk to Joel Bouchard in Laval and, uh, you know, then talk to uh, Kevin Deneen in San Diego all on the same night. And I don't care how much you travel, you're not going to be able to do that all on the same night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, I probably admittedly have a little bit of a uh, vested interest in this, but, uh, but in general, I, I mean, I, talking to some different PR uh, people across the league, uh, their sense is that so this has been uh, a good way to reach out more to that casual media that uh, doesn't necessarily want to cover the team on a day-to-day basis, but certainly would at least like to uh, put the word out. And uh, uh, We've seen that similarly with, with a lot of these teams signing local television deals. Uh, Syracuse has done that. Uh, uh, San Diego has done that. Uh, probably about I want to say about 10 or 11 teams now have come up with some semblance of a uh, local TV package. And, and that's still huge. I mean, that's getting your product out to the casual fan, maybe not to a fan at all, but just somebody that's a little bit curious about uh, your product and uh, is willing to see it on television first. Uh, I mean, the AHL is going to need a big year next year. Uh, you're, you're coming back off a pandemic. Uh, people have not been in the ranks for 18 or 19 months that's a long time for people to go it's uh, very easy to be forgotten and um, if you're not out there then you're forgotten i mean uh, there's so much competition now uh, for the entertainment dollar uh, just talking to different uh, you know people you know the, on the business side around the league i mean that's the big concern is basically trying to re- reintroduce themselves to the casual fan out there because the casual fan um, is kind of what can take a team from an iffy proposition where they rely on the, their season ticket holders and make them into a strong franchise. Uh, that's why your Charlottes of the league succeed. Uh, your Hershey's obviously your San Diego's. It's a lot of those casual fans that supplement that season ticket base and, and you know, fill those seats. You actually uh, used just the right word there, uh, talking about the forgotten. Um, as a last question, just to kind of wrap this up, we don't want to forget about those three teams who opted out of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, fans will, will recall there are three, the Milwaukee Admirals, the Springfield uh, Thunderbirds, and the Charlotte Checkers. All three of those franchises are not playing this year. Um, have you heard anything from those organizations in terms of how they are staying connected with their fan bases and whether or not they're already making their plans to to jump back in uh, full bore next season and, and get their teams back on the ice? Yeah, I, uh, I spoke with Tara Black, uh, the COO of the Charlotte Checkers, uh, one of the most respected people in the league. Um, and she's won Executive of the Year Award in, in this league. Uh, so somebody that really knows this business inside out. And uh, that's been one of their most concerted efforts uh, throughout all this is to stay connected, to not disappear, to not fall off uh, the radar for a lot of people. So for Charlotte example, they had that April Fool's um, promotion a couple weeks back where they unveiled the, the uh, I guess, artificial logo. Um, I think they fooled some people and uh, it's those little things. And, um, the, the challenge with that is is a team like Charlotte, for example, they had 25 front office people. Now they're down to around eight. 
Uh, wow. So uh, there's far fewer people around to do that job, uh, to, to not only keep the lights on, but to, to keep the team out there. And um, and right now they're planning they're uh, planning on a range of possibilities. You know, everything from next season being 100% capacity to 50%, somewhere in between. Um, and obviously the, the economic projections for that are, are vastly different. So um, the, the challenge now, I think, for teams like a Charlotte or Springfield or Milwaukee is, um, and really any team for that matter, is um, when you really decide to push forward with your promotion for next season, you have to be as confident as you possibly can that it's going to happen, that you're not going to make a hiring push, you're not going to make a promotional push, uh, buy advertising, uh, all, all the costs that go with that, and then have to shut it down maybe at some point in the summer or next fall. So, like, that's the balancing act right now for these teams where, you know, are we feeling more confident that things have turned a corner? Well, maybe. Um, and obviously that's not the case for the Canadian clubs right now. That's a whole different can of worms at the moment. Uh, but um, in the States, uh, there is a sense of more optimism, it seems like, uh, for a quote-unquote normal 21-22 season. But the question becomes, well, when do we really go full bore and uh, make that real promotional push? Because uh, – in a lot of ways, uh, the summer months are the busiest time of the year for teams, uh, you know, from the front office standpoint. And they have to make, uh, you know, as Tara Black told me, uh, we, especially now, we watch where every single dollar goes. We do not waste anything. And if we're going to, you know, spend that money on a, on a big advertising campaign, we want to make sure that we don't have to pull it back in a mm -hmm. month or two. So it's a real challenge right now. There's no playbook to deal with uh, for, for such a situation like this. And so, you know, even some of your, your best franchises, your most experienced people like Tara Black are really feeling that challenge of, of trying to feel their way through this situation um, to be willing to take chances, but to not uh, take unnecessary chances. Well, Patrick Williams, uh, lead AHL columnist at EP Ringside and the AHL correspondent for NHL.com. We can't thank you enough for going on such a deep dive with us today. All things American Hockey League. Uh, you're you're a wealth of information, and we certainly appreciate each and every time you make time to to make an appearance here with Rick and I on the Press Zone. Well, absolutely. It was completely my pleasure. Uh, you can find Patrick on Twitter at P. Williams AHL. Uh, you can also hear him on his podcast at Around the A Pod. Uh, so be sure to check him out there. And uh, once again, Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. Rick and I had a had a great time uh, with this conversation. Well, thank you. Well, Rick, I have to say it is always a delight when Patrick Williams joins us on the show. He is a wealth of information. We could have probably talked for another for hours. two hours. Uh, there's just so many questions uh, and so many things happening around the league. Uh, we were just able to to kind of dip a toe in today, but really some great information there. We'll have him back. That was uh, that was a great interview. Absolutely. Um, and we are going to uh, you know keep on everything happening in the AHL. You you know we're gonna uh, there's there's some 
really controversial kind of breaking news that's that's kind of busting wide open this week. Uh, it's a developing story. We're going to see how things transpire throughout the week and, and probably talk about it a little more in depth next week. But it seems to have been suddenly announced to the uh, Binghamton Devils that uh, New Jersey will not be continuing their affiliation with them. Uh, there are rumors circulating that it looks like possibly um, the Utica Comets president, Robert Esch, uh, has filed a trademark uh, application for the Utica Devils. And so all sorts of questions are being raised. Uh, is New Jersey moving back to Utica where they used to be? Is Are the Comets moving closer to Vancouver? Um, and what's going to happen to hockey in Binghamton? Lots of questions. It's a very, very fresh kind of raw thing that's coming out uh, very unexpectedly. Uh, so we're going to be sure to look into that, and, and we'll have uh, lots of information for you, hopefully, about that next week. But, Rick, uh, this was a tremendous show. Um, it's one that folks will want to uh, be sure to share with their friends, of course. Um, but if uh, fe- people are listening and they haven't subscribed, they don't want to miss all of these great interviews, what's the best way for them to be sure that they never miss an episode of The Press Zone? Is to subscribe uh, in the podcast uh, app of your choice. We're on all the uh, podcast apps. Make sure you subscribe. Um, and if you want to catch up on the the back, uh, uh, you know, episodes you may have missed, uh, the Press Zone, thepresszone.fm, thepresszone.com. Either either one will get you to our archive of, of uh, podcast episodes. Fantastic. And we are so glad that you were here with us today. We really hope you enjoyed that interview with Patrick Williams. Uh, we'll have lots more uh, exclusive interviews just like that coming up uh, in future weeks on the Press Zone. You don't want to miss a minute of it. And uh, we just want you to have a great week. Enjoy all of the hockey. And we'll be back here again next Tuesday for another great episode of the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of the Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.